Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. Merry Christmas to all my listeners and guests and I hope 2019 brings you all the joy you seek. I'm a two-time Camino pilgrim, a novice compared to some global walkers, but I suppose in my defence, Sydney, Australia is a long, long way from Spain. But I hope to be back again on the Camino in 2019, 2020, 2021, and on we go. And I hope that somewhere along the way, all our paths cross. This is a weekly podcast about the Camino de Santiago, the way of St. James. The British author Ray Simpson wrote in his book, Exploring Celtic Spirituality. Frequently, we do not leave the past behind. We clasp onto it. We dissect it and let fears for the future tempered by the past, unconsciously prevent us from taking up the task eternal. My guest this week is Nicole Baylor Phillips, a US pilgrim who walked the Camino in 2016, and I was lucky enough to receive a poem that Nicole had written on her return to the US back in 2016. Nicole's on the line from New York. Hola, pilgrim. Hi, Buen Camino. Yeah, Buen Camino to you too. You you walked in 2016, so it's a couple of years ago now. Do you still consider yourself a pilgrim? Yeah, I'm. I guess I would live my life pretty identified with that term. Um, I try to incorporate the things that I've learned every day, and I actually walked it again. Not the full, um, not the full way, but but probably about 22 days in 2017. Okay, so you've walked twice as well. Yeah. Yep. So what months did you walk in 2017? What time of the year? It was, I think in 2017, we started in May. Oh, so what's, a, mm-hmm. what, what's, a, and what, what months did you walk in 2016? 2016, it was June 15th and we walked, I think I walked for about 33 days. Right. So that would have been very mm-hmm. that would have been very hot in 2016. It was, yep. Yeah, but um, so then 2017. What I'm getting at is May would have been a beautiful time to walk. I, both were pretty great. I don't think that you know. I think I remember 2016 being a little bit warmer, but I really liked the heat, so it was fine. How how does the Camino manifest itself in your daily life? Oh, well, there's a, there's a lot. I mean, I learned so much about, um, how to be present, um, how to connect with others, how to not be so pulled in a million different directions, um, how to appreciate the little things. Oh, Certain things will uh, get my attention and pull me back into center again. Um, things that remind me of the Camino, like the sound of church bells, um, the sound of stones beneath my feet, the sound of birds in the morning, um, things like that. It's nice to have the time to appreciate those things, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Do you remember where you first heard about the Camino? Of course I do. I had a friend. Um, I have a friend, her name is Justine, and she walked the Camino in 2015. And when she came home, she was just like a firecracker, and she was just so full of life and joy. And I thought I would never, ever, ever do that. And she just kept talking about it until I was just like, I think that's something I want to do. (laughs) 
And do you remember what, what the light bulb moment was when you said, that's it, I'm going to go? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was, um, a friend of mine had flown in from um, the city, from New York, and and uh, she and I were, um, actually, I, bo- I, I woke up in the morning and I had said a prayer, honestly, and I didn't, I didn't, this is hindsight now looking back, the, what happened was amazing, but I said a prayer and then, um, later on that night, I just decided I'm walking it and I, and I wasn't sure when, and I wasn't sure with who, but I think maybe two months later I booked a flight. So I think that was in May. And, and then you were away. Tell mm-hmm. me what was, what was it like that first morning walking out of St. John in 2016? Well, I I woke up in in El Bergue. I can't, I can't remember the name of it now. It started with a B. And um Joseph was the name of the um the man who was the host of of the home who had cooked us dinner the night before and he he turned on some classical music to wake all the pilgrims up and I opened up my eyes barely sleeping at all because of the fear and because I didn't want to wake people up and because I didn't want to get out of bed to go to the bathroom and all these, you know, nerves. And I heard the sound of sticks um, outside the window of pilgrims already beginning to climb the Pyrenees. And I was just so full of excitement and I hadn't even gotten my um, pilgrim's passport yet. And so I set off to go get that. Yeah, and then and then you began mm-hmm. the climb. Did you go all the way to Roncesvalles or to to Orison? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. How did you find it day one? <laughs> I mean, it's so funny how things are. On I mean, day one, it felt like one day felt like one week, or you know what I mean, like one month. But so much has happened. I met so many people. It was really difficult. At one point, I thought I was going to throw up when I was walking. Um, but just totally amazed at. Um, how well my body actually did um, on that first day. Did you get blisters over the course of the 33 days? I got about, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I probably got about seven blisters on and off, not all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And did you treat them easily? You did, or did they did sort of cause you, you like pull you up? Did they cause you dramas? All of, you know, I met a lot of different people who treated their blisters in a lot of different ways. And what happened to me was I ran into um, a woman in um, Latasonia who uh, who I called the, the foot angel because she <laughs> took care of my feet. I mean, she just, she... She actually took a syringe and drained them, and then I. She said, "Now do this for the rest of you know for as much as you need." And and then she put maxi pads in the soles of my shoes, and um, and and she said, "Keep doing this," and that's what I did, and it worked out pretty well. I think a little bit better than maybe those who had cut their blisters, you know. Yeah, yeah, sort of draining them seems to work. Mm-hmm. So tell us about your favorite place on the Camino. Hmm. I don't know if I have, I don't know if I had a favorite place. I, you know what? Actually, yeah. I, um, the, the part of the Camino that's like Osebrero, um, the mountains after the Meseta. Yeah. Um, just, you know, after getting back out of the city maybe again and, um, and starting to walk and, and being in the mountains again and, and the fog and the sun and the, 
and the and the cows and yeah 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 mm-hmm. I'm, oh gosh I'm hearing you I'm totally <laughs> did did you walk alone or or in a group and did you leave the United States to walk on your own I did my first Camino I went on my own and my second Camino I went with my husband and two friends and uh that was definitely a lot different but the first the first one I I I left alone and then my friend who had walked the year before actually met me and we walked together on the meseta and then my husband came for a few days um in Leon um but I had met a Camino family pretty early on maybe be some of them on the first day and some of them by the time we got to maybe Puente la Reina or Estella. So, you know, day three or four or five, whatever that is. Yeah, yeah, that's a beautiful part of the world too around there, isn't it? Mm, yep. Tell us about walking into Santiago that first time, 2016. Well, uh, I remember, you know, making making my way through the forest of Galatia, Uh and by that time, you know, all of the, the mind is quiet and um, all of, you know, the stuff that I had been wrestling with all along was, was no longer there. And I was, you know, excited, but I, I knew I had this sense that like, it wasn't about making it to Santiago. It was about the whole, what had happened all along the way. Um, and by the time we got there, it, um, we actually just happened to make the end of the pilgrim's mass and it was to see the, I can't pronounce the name of the incense thing, but to see that, yeah, to see that it was, it was a really, it was a really powerful moment. Um, yeah. You, you mentioned there, Nicole, that you, you had, finished wrestling with everything you'd been wrestling with. Mm. What, were, yeah. what were you wrestling with? <laughs> well, you know, people walk for a lot of different reasons or whatever. And I didn't really know. I, I wasn't sure what my reason for walking was when people would ask. But now looking back, I think it was um, some questions I had about becoming a mother. Um you know, did I want to do that? I was afraid of doing it. So I was definitely in a transition part of my life. Um, so I was wrestling with that. And then also just like random things that would come up from my past that I hadn't really made peace with. And then also what was I going to do when I got home now that a lot had happened as far as like, I wasn't ready to become a mom right away is what I ended up finding out. Um, I wanted to travel more. I wanted to do, I wanted to experience life before I became a mom. Uh, so that's what, that's what it was. That's what kind of happened. And, and did you resolve all of that halfway along or two thirds of the way along so that you were able to really enjoy some sort of peace of mind? I think even in the midst of having those questions, there was a lot of peace. Yeah. And I think because I honestly, some of those questions didn't even get resolved when I returned home or even on my second Camino. Um, they didn't settle until maybe two years later. <laughs> um, but, but I think the, the, part, the parts that were of my past, that stuff got left there for sure. Yeah, and that's, that's, I spoke about that 
the British author in, in the introduction about leaving your past behind. It's very, very important, mm-hmm. although it's not that easy to do. So mm-hmm. are you someone who would consider themselves a religious or spiritual person? Yeah, I would say I'm a spiritual person. And so how, mm-hmm. how has the Camino impacted then on your belief of your spirituality? And by that I mean, do you feel a, a deeper sense of spirituality as a result of walking the Camino? Yeah, I I think what I had before was some sort of conception of God that was maybe a little bit limited and um, maybe a little bit in a box. And after I walked the Camino, a lot of those ideas fell away so that something new could come forward. Um, I met a lot of people who weren't identified with being spiritual or religious or having, you know, some sort of relationship with a higher power and but they were deeply spiritual people in my belief. And so that sort of changed my thoughts around God, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And do you, it is, is, do you maintain that presence now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I allow myself to, to, to be quiet enough to not be distracted to, um, yeah. What's the best thing about the Camino? Oh my God. I don't like, uh, you know, I think it's a, there's something about it that opens up a person who is open enough to the experience. It creates a sort of, uh, it facilitates a space where someone can let go, where they can move closer into their true self, where they do know what come to know what love is in a deeper way. So I would say just the walk itself is, is it, you know? Yeah. Come to know love in a deeper way. That's beautifully put. Mm-hmm. You sent me your poem and we're going to get to the poem and, and talk even indeed about poetry in a moment, but you sent me the poem a couple of weeks ago after hearing Patty Pie in episode 99 Tell me the word she would use to sum up the Camino as sensual. Her senses <laughs> came alive on the Camino. What word would you use? I really liked her word. That's why I sent you the poem. But I would also say intimate. Why? Because you come to, again, the, the, the Camino creates enough space where you become more intimate with yourself with the moment, with others, with God, if you have a relationship with God. And so there's this real, I mean, the way that you even taste things, the way that you see things, the way that you embrace things, the way that you, all of the senses have a, a, a deeper feeling to them. That was my experience. Yeah, that's really well put. Intimate. So has that word now taken a greater presence in your life as a result of the Camino? Well, I know that I've I felt the most I felt the most joy I'd ever felt when I was on the Camino, and I have since been able to um, cultivate that or you know allow space for that in my life here today. So yeah, um, mm-hmm. that's pretty awesome. Yep. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I I didn't want the Camino to just be a one time experience. It's a a way of life. I think. 
You know, someone listening now thinking, mm, I, sh- I really want to walk, but I don't know that I would mm-hmm. get anything out of it. Do you think mm-hmm. they, there are people who expect too much? I don't know. I think, you know, the, the corny saying or whatever that everyone rolls their eyes at maybe in the beginning that communion provides, it gives you what you need. If you're looking for a whole lot from it, then you probably will get what you need. And if you're not looking for anything, then you'll probably get what you need. <laughs> <laughs> that's well, that's a great answer. That's a great answer to what is a difficult question, really. So just, I just want to do a little bit of homework because if somebody is thinking of walking, Mm-hmm. They'd be interested in, and can I ask a rude, very rude question of a of a lady? How old were you in 2016? I was 31. Okay, so 31. So someone's yeah. listening now, thinking, oh, I don't know. Nicole sounds like about my age. I could walk. I'm thinking mm-hmm. about being, you know, having a family, what have you. How heavy was mm-hmm. your backpack? I think it was about 12 pounds, 13 pounds. Okay, so it's six, about six or seven kilograms. Okay, that, that's about average. How far mm-hmm. did you walk each day and, and were comfortable walking each day? I actually, you know, pretty closely followed the John Briarly, I think, um, guidebook. And so some days it was 20-something kilometers or 30-something. Um, sometimes I went less and sometimes I went more. Yeah. Yeah, the Briley Guide is, is a lot of people are walking that, those distances, those designated distances every day. Indeed, there's a, mm-hmm. there's a, a PDF that you can print out that has all of the towns along the way in a kind of uh, topographical map. And a lot mm-hmm. of people walk that too, don't they? Did you carry the backpack yeah. every day? Yes, I did. And I discarded things I didn't need and, what you did, know, yeah. lost things. What, what didn't you need? You know, I think I brought four shirts and I only really needed two. Yeah. You know, I brought four pairs of shorts. I only needed two, you know, things like that. I lost a shirt, maybe you lose a pair of socks or you give a pair away, you know. What what do you wish you had packed? Was there something you thought, oh, I wish I had and I should have? No. (laughs) No. So you, wow, that's great. What about, did, did it rain? It rained, uh, yeah, I think I remember wearing my raincoat a couple times, but nothing. On my second Camino, um, there, yeah, it rained a little bit here and there. Mm-hmm. And so Maybe tell, only three days. Tell us about the raincoat. Well, my friend um, gave me hers to borrow on my first one, and then I liked it so much. I, you know, I started to have an attachment or a relationship with this, the small amount of things that I did have. So I was like, oh, that raincoat that I wore last year, I need it. I need to have that raincoat. And so I bought this same one, you know, for the following year. It was like a North Face coat. I don't know. And, and it's, is it a poncho or a, a, a rain? Nope. No. Just a raincoat. Okay. I didn't have a poncho. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um so did you stay in albergues or pensions or hostels? Yes. Um, I stayed in albergues pretty much the whole time and the municipals as much as um, they had them too and, because they were cheaper. Yeah. And at that time of the year, May, one year, June, the following year, did you always get a bed? Yeah. I, you know, very quickly it seemed like I don't have to be afraid about not getting in bed. It just maybe towards the end of the Camino where it gets more populated, um, we got a little bit nervous again, but never did I, there 
there wasn't, we never ran out of beds. And did you enjoy the Spanish culture, the food and the wine? What did you make of it? Yeah, I really love the food. I don't drink, but um, the the food was amazing. Yeah. So what would you say to somebody thinking of walking? I would just say, I would say do it. <laughs> Everyone kind of says that. It seems like on this podcast a little bit, like if you feel, you know, my friend actually just said to me, Hey, I think I want to do it. And I said, Oh, your, your Camino has already started then. And it's just a matter of when, because it seems like when you have that desire, uh, you know, it's uh, that little voice never quite goes away until you, until you do it. (laughs) And that moment when you find yourself finally on the Camino is Mm -hmm. just such a wonderful celebration of spirit and, and soul, isn't it? It is. I had a um, that guy Joseph in in uh, in um, Saint John Pied de Port said to me, "Sing in the mountains, Nicole," and on my first day, and I did. You know, I danced and I sang, and because it, it was just so exciting. Yeah, yeah. No, mm-hmm. I remember being outside of Sahun and walking mm-hmm. along there by the the poplar trees, which mm. there is a legend goes that as the Romans came back from Iberia, they uh, threw their spears into the ground and because they wouldn't need to fight anymore and those are the spears that they left behind. And I was walking along there thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm here. <laughs> there are those trees that I read about. <laughs> and it's not, you're not just standing in front of the, the Arc de Triomphe or, or, or on the River Thames and then you're about to get in a tourist bus and go to somewhere else, you've got it all day. Mm-hmm. We've been talking the last couple of weeks about slow tourism. It's very true, isn't it? Slow tourism? Yeah, you're kind of taking your time making oh, your way God, through your yeah. aren't I love, there's nothing like walking into the city, you know, like Pamplona, when you first arrived there, you've been in the mountains for like three days and the smells and the sights and the, it's just to drive through something is completely different than to do it on foot for sure. Yeah. 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 That's a great walk too into Pamplona. You really Mm -hmm. see the old Spain like opening up before your very eyes. It's wonderful. How do you describe the Camino to people who ask about it now that you're back and settled? Well, I usually say that it changed my life. Um, I, I say that it's it's the best thing that I've ever done. <laughs> um, and then I whatever is there on my heart at the time, I just blah 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 blah. <laughs> whatever comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm the same. You, you know, I, I mentioned the British author Ray Simpson at the start. He said, frequently, we do not leave the past behind. We clasp onto it, we dissect it, and let fears Mm -hmm. for the future, tempered by the past, unconsciously prevent us from taking up the task eternal. Were you someone who clasped onto the past, and did the Camino enable you to let some of that go? Yeah, you know, um, I knew that I didn't know how much would come up of how how many things I was still hanging on to because I had considered myself someone who already lived a spiritual life and had done some inner work to let go of the past. But I left with rocks that people had given me to drop, to drop their burdens. And then I had my own. And, um, 
whenever I felt like inspired to, to set it down, it would just come to mind. You know, I didn't try to manage or control it. Like the, like, Oh, now it's time for this one. And, um, I, I don't remember the point at which I, they were all gone, but it was before Cruz de Ferro where you were supposed to drop your one rock. <laughs> so, yeah. You sent me a beautiful poem you wrote in the wake of the Camino. So tell us about poetry. Well, I don't really, I like to paint, you know, I express myself in that way. And I, I do, I journaled along the way. Um, and I do like to journal, I've never really been a poet, but I, you know, I had so much going on within when I came home of everything, you know, um, from missing my Camino family to not knowing where to go next, to being filled with just so much gratitude and joy that it just kind of came out. You know, I just started writing about my experience. I'm going to read that poem at the end of the podcast. It's it's lovely. I, I mentioned to you before we started talking that the it's like a, it's a short, it's almost like a short story. You can tell there's a narrative mm. through it of what you were going through. Was there a sense at the end of it? Oh, I've I've, I've put it down on paper. That's a little bit of me now at rest. Uh, yeah, it, it felt like. Um... Yes. Yeah. There was a, there was a rest to putting it down on paper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Talk, tell us about your painting. I like to do, you know, I think before I was a lot more structured and maybe, I don't know, they're constricted in what I would paint. And, and after the Camino, it became a lot more loose and watercolor um, like paintings. And um, actually there was a place that, we stumbled into in in Galicia where there was an artist who he kept his home open for pilgrims who were passing by and he you know set his art up all around all around the inside of his home and it was watercolor and it was so inspiring that i started to kind of you know take the the photos that i had taken pictures of along the way and and start to started to paint them and so how many have you done? Not a whole lot. And then, and then honestly, some, a lot of them I give away. So I, I, I give them away as gifts to uh, the pilgrims that I met along the way, sending them, you know, all over the world because you just meet <laughs> so many people from all over. How wonderful. Mm-hmm. How fantastic. Yes. And could you imagine a day when you go back and take paints with you? I don't think so. I like to travel light now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I like to just be there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I found myself with a lot of free mind space walking the Camino. It's one of those great luxuries. Mm-hmm. Did you find the same? Did you consider it, what I'm asking is, did you consider it a luxury? I remember getting to a point where I thought, oh my God, my whole life I have been thinking, thinking, thinking so much. And finally, my mind is quiet and there's nothing left to do but to just look at this river or look at that tree or look at the sunset or, you know, there, yeah, there, it was absolutely a gift and a luxury and, uh, I don't know. Yeah. You, you mentioned that you walked alone in 2016 and then with other people in, and in 2017, and you said it was mm-hmm. definitely different. <laughs> what, what do you mean by different? 
<laughs> well, it, it, I mean, to the to somebody who might um, to an outsider watching what had transpired on the second one, they would probably say that it didn't go very well because my husband ended up leaving after eight days. Um, my one friend was really mad at me. <laughs> she walked on her own and, you know, it was just kind of, it was a lot different, you know, and it wasn't, I was kind of longing to be on my own again. Um, so yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Longing to be on your own again. You're looking for that mm -hmm. space and time. Yeah, because on the first one, the people that I had met, we gave each other that space. And it was like, it was, um, you know, sometimes you leave in the morning, but then there's that distance between you and then maybe you see each other at the next cafe. And so there's always this together aloneness thing that can happen, which I wasn't really getting on the second one. It just felt a little bit more suffocating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. So now here we are a couple of years on, and I know that my listeners will be wanting me to ask this question. You said one of the issues you were, were throwing around in your mind was motherhood. Mm -hmm. And I know my listeners will want to know, how did that resolve itself? <laughs> well, um, I have a three-month-old baby now. <laughs> yeah, little Emmett, yeah. three-month-old yeah, baby boy. He's amazing, yep, mm-hmm. So tell us about the Camino and motherhood, because you mm. are very, well, a mother. I, I've never been a mother, obviously, but I've been a father a few times. I, mm -hmm. I, I know that a mother needs to be centered if they can. Mm. Has the Camino enabled you to, to be a bit more grounded? Yeah, you know, the simplicity of the Camino life I longed for that when I came home. It was just so simple. You get up, you put your one of two outfits on and you walk and you, and when it's necessary to eat, you eat. And, and it's just very, you do the next thing. You take the next step. Very, very simple. And when I came home, it seemed like, what the hell is all this stuff all over my house? Like, why am I doing this? Why am like, why? Like, it's just too complicated. But motherhood has a very similar feeling of you just doing one thing. You're just taking care of your baby. You're just now breastfeeding and now you're washing dishes and now you're, and so that feeling of keeping it simple and going with the flow has definitely translated for me. I think you have really opened up for us, uh, Nicole, and shared a lot about your inner feelings. Uh, mm -hmm. And, and that's very important for my listeners and many those of those who indeed can't get to the Camino de Santiago, a couple of messages in the last week from people who said, I, I couldn't do it. I simply could never get there. But I do mm -hmm. love to listen to other people's stories and, and their transformation. And I have that written transformation in bold type here. Would that be a fair assessment of, of what's happened to you, a transformation? Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of healing, a lot of transfer. Yeah. That's a great word to describe what it does to someone. Yeah. Are you going back? <laughs> uh, my husband and I have been talking about doing the Camino Portuguese with our baby actually in May. And so it's not, there's no plane ticket purchased or anything like that, but I would love to return. Mm -hmm. Would you push Emmett? In a cart or carry him? 
I think we haven't tried to carry him. I have a front carrier that's not a backpack, but um, I don't think would support walking that long. Yeah. So I, I think definitely a, a backpack for sure. How exciting. What a wonderful thing yeah. to do. <laughs> now, I mentioned earlier that you are a poet, a painter now, but you wrote to me after hearing my interview with Patty Pye in week 99, and Patty said, as I said earlier, the, sum, the word that summed up her Camino was sensual, and you mm-hmm. shared a poem that you'd written. Can I read it? Yes, of course. Let's, Thank you. Let's go there. Here we go. Are you awake for the big show? It's become the only show I want to see. It is the greatest show on earth. Some of my friends have gone with me. I'm certain others have gone too. But why isn't anyone shouting it from the roofs? This kind of show lights up the whole world, and yet it feels trapped in my heart, and no one is talking about it. Perhaps this kind of show gave birth to the poets. It jolted their hearts awake, and words needed to be put to it, living it was more than enough. It was every dream I knew I dreamt, but it needed to be seen, more, just like me. I want to be seen, no more hiding, and the story of this show has to be told. On my way, flying home, he offered me a bocadillo. I said, is it free? He looked at me, confused, and said, yes, and patiently showed me what I could choose from. He doesn't know the starving pilgrim's concern with free food. He doesn't know this caged bird has found freedom. He didn't rush by to the next passenger, sighing in annoyance. He just gave. God sent this man, a flight attendant, to love me. In a moment when I felt so alone and wounded and raw and wide open, God sent him, just like everyone else I've encountered, Christ with meat suits. God needed to show me love through people so I could really feel it and know it was from him. He spoke my language, came down to my level, met me where I am. That's how much God knows me. That's how much God wants my happiness more than I do. That's how I know God is grace, pure grace, unlimited, fierce, overflowing God's grace is overflowing onto me in every moment alone in the mountains. Every time I or someone said, take my last bite, or do you want some of my tortilla? Or just the moan and point hand gesture urging to take some food. Every touch of the hand, arm, face, every joke intended to poke me, every laugh shared, Every sick joke, every snore, every song, every tear, every heart flutter, every step, every bit of pain, every dropped rock, every shared story of pain and heartbreak, every laugh of a child, every guapo quapi, every flower, every water fountain for my parched lips every scalding hot spoon on the skin, every chair and cafe for my weary body, every familiar backpack, every church steeple, stork noise, every cool breeze, every cross on the forehead, 
every truth spoken by a stranger. Every songbird, every morning through open screenless windows. Every bunk bed, hot shower. Every eucalyptus leaf and grass that smells like mint. Every sheep and cow and stray cat. Every lazy guard dog. Every cityscape and its loud noises and strong sense of perfume and food. Every emotion imaginable written on strangers' faces. Every albergue. Every albergue. Every Allenbergy joke. Every choke <laughs> cry and laugh and snort. All of it has been God's desperate attempt to reveal his love to me. Or if you prefer, life's attempt to unfold in the most purest natural form. Life says, can you let me in? Accept me. Life is a gentleman, a gentlewoman. It doesn't go where it isn't wanted. Do I want life? The big love? Am I willing to pay the price for what opening to this big reality, life, love, God, wants to do and through and for me? Am I saying yes, fiercely, to every single emotion, situation, person, sunset? When I say no, do I feel that sting? Do I love that sting too? Am I willing to pay the price for being fully awake and alive? Am I willing to allow everything to touch me boldly and bravely? The question arises, am I paying attention to life's love call, to every minute, small detail, the best, sweetest of details? Am I really seeing the sunset? What places does passionate red touch in your body? How does that yellow shine into the depths of that one wound you thought would never heal? When the night intersects the light, isn't it firmly saying, no, stop, let go of your divided heart, traumatically bonded to your comfort? Am I really seeing the fog settle into the Atlantic Ocean? What does that vision do to your soul? Isn't it sad you won't see the sunset now? But isn't it sweet? that the fog has covered the shore with a soft, fluffy blanket made out of water vapour. This is the same blanket that's covered you when you're cold. Am I taking time to marvel in awe at fog's vision, repeating over and over aloud to every passerby lost in wasted white noise thoughts, can you believe how cool this is? Am I tasting a peach? How can I not moan in satisfaction from tasting a peach? <laughs> Am I really feeling the water? How my body reacts to it, squirms under each caress of my hip or thigh. Who knows where it will touch? Whether its touch will be cold or warm, can I surrender to each sensation and the myriad of memories that arise from that touch? A past lover. A mother drawing her child a bath. Or perhaps this is the first time you've been touched in this way. Now... You have no solid footing to stand on. And you're falling hard. It's touching you for the first time and it has imprinted on your soul. Look around. Will you remember what it looked like when you were touched like this? Am I really seeing you? How your eyes light up the world. 
and looked like the universal chocolate infused with avocado and honey. Am I really smelling? How honeysuckle is so sweet, it coats my lungs with honey butter. Am I smelling her perfume? Is it flowers and fruit mixed with mystery and longing? Doesn't it smell like she's trying too hard? Or maybe she just longs to be smelled and noticed and loved into existence. Am I smelling your raw scent, what your body naturally produces? It's so sweet, intense. It says, look at me in my purest of forms. I'm begging you to look and never look away. This is who I am. Isn't it drop-dead gorgeous? Am I really hugging you and meaning it, touching you and feeling it? How my touch to your skin touches other parts of me. If I love you, am I really showing it? If you are loving me, am I allowing it? Touch me into the depths of my heart, allowing it to grab my hand and pull me into the dark, scary blue ocean with all of its mystery and beauty and wonder. When I'm losing or missing you, am I feeling every pinch and twist and ache in my heart? When you speak, am I hearing every emotion in your words? Am I hearing what you're not saying? Is it hitting and penetrating my heart or falling to the ground, wasted as soon as it leaves your lips? Can I hear the angels singing using your voice? When I'm crying, do I let the conflicting storm of joy and grief roll up through my soul and out of my mouth like a lion's roar? The same roar she has when she can't find her cub. The same roar she has when she finds her cub. Am I allowing my body to move with and through the storm? Am I really feeling, touching, tasting, seeing, hearing all of life's gifts and burdens? What a small price to pay for aliveness, don't you think? Even when it leaves you broken and weary and crying and alone, isn't it such a small price to pay for the gift of being taken by life? Doesn't it, in return, and as a way to say, I'm sorry and I love you, give you another sunset or smile or song to sing you back to joy again? So what does a little heartache matter when you know how sweet, dear, loving life will always love you back alive again nicole that's amazing <laughs> thank you i just like i said it's like a narrative it's you can see your journey through that story yeah through the poem oh yeah mm -hmm. i just love it <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> Well, thank you for your time. And you as well. And thank you for your inspiration. And thank you for sharing your journey. Of course, yep. Congratulations, because, you know, you somehow found what you were looking for, didn't you? I did. And, you know, I, I don't even think I knew what I was looking for. And I found it. Yes. Mm -hmm. that's, like, that's like bonus jeopardy. <laughs> Thanks mm -hmm. so much, Nicole. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and I hope our paths cross one day. You too, Dan. Thank you. Buen Camino. Buen Camino. <laughs> My guest this week, the U.S. pilgrim, poet, 
and painter Nicole Baylor Phillips. The British author Ray Simpson wrote in his book, Exploring Celtic Spirituality, Frequently we do not leave the past behind. We clasp onto it, we dissect it, and let fears for the future, tempered by the past, unconsciously prevent us from taking up the task eternal. Let it go, pilgrims. I'm Dan Mullins. Till next week, buen camino. (laughs) 